Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. You're listening to what will be a fun episode of the Five Leadership Questions Podcast. I'm your host, Todd Adkins, and today I'm here with Chandler Renoy. Hey, hey. And Josh Gagnon. Josh has been on before. He is the founding and lead pastor of Next Level Church, which has multiple locations uh, from New England all the way down to Florida. And man, and he wrote a book. (laughs) He wrote a book called It's Not Over, which released uh, late February of 2020. Uh, The subtitle was Leaving Behind Disappointment and Learning to Dream Again. So we're going to talk about uh, COVID a little bit. Uh, We're going to talk about church in light of it. Uh, We may talk about the book because I don't know um, if you've gotten a lot of feedback from that or not. But I guarantee it'll be a fun episode because we've already started in on each other. And um, we we have already talked about getting uh, spankings in church. <laughs> so if you're ended by that, uh, by corporal punishment, sorry, that's probably going to come up uh, at some point in this episode. Josh, yeah. thank you for being here today. Is there anything else you'd like to say before we get started? No, I think that was wonderfully said. Yeah, releasing a book two weeks before COVID hit was a lot of fun. We were we were laughing about re- renaming it. It may be over. Uh, <laughs> you know what? Don't second thought. It may be over. <laughs> it's not over. Then COVID. <laughs> yeah, I was looking at. We had you on uh, episode four thirteen. I think it released beginning of March, and none of us had any clue what was coming. Yeah. <laughs> and. It really was. I mean, what, what does a book launch look like in the midst of COVID? Uh, it looks bad. It just, (laughs) it looks bad. You know, when you're get when you get a, um, when you get an email a couple weeks into it from your publisher saying, we feel so horrible for all the work that you've done. And so not just you, they said any book that's releasing right now, but to be, to be serious, God, and I don't say this being that typical pastor that has to say this, you guys know me well enough by now. Honestly, we have seen God use it in ways I'm very surprised by. If I'm just being honest, what we've seen up to today blows my mind, comparatively speaking. You know, I had so many churches lined up to speak at, you know, all, I mean, we're talking for months, I had already booked out and we had prepared next level for me to be absent, to be speaking all over the country. And I was laughing the other day, I haven't spoken publicly, like on a stage once about the book, It's Not Over. And I had dozens of churches lined up. Mm-hmm. And because of COVID, I literally have never spoken. I mean, if you're an author in the church world, you really enjoy speaking at churches to get the, the book out there. And I haven't spoken once about the about the book, It's Not Over. Yet God has, um, God has really used it. I've gotten great feedback in. And so um, the reality is, is, is um, I think the danger for an author is you think the next book is the book and you put everything that you have into it so it feels like it should return all of that to you. Uh, for me, it was a labor of love, and we're going to trust that God has his purpose and his plan, and if nothing else, um, it'll touch many lives, and maybe the next book will touch more because God did more in me than he than He did through me uh, in this season. Who knows? Maybe, maybe, that, maybe none of that's true, and I'm just a horrible author. I don't know. One or the other, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, we know that's not true. I mean, just hearing your heart uh, when you were describing the book and we kind of walked through it, man, we're, we're thankful that you wrote it and know it really is a timely message, probably now more than ever, where somebody's, yeah. <laughs> unfortunately, a lot of dreams were were yeah. put on hold. And now there have, you know, churches across America and people mm-hmm. across 
the world are having to rethink what is 2020 look like? What does my dreams look like? So yeah, I know it's a funny book. And Todd got a shirt out of it. So it all works. <laughs> I mean, a great shirt, which I wear often. And my two-year-old daughter is always concerned about the bird on the shirt. <laughs> it is an excellent t-shirt, by the way. Uh, fine quality. And uh, it, it, it it is... Well, we got to treat my uniform. We've uh, got to treat you influencers well, you know. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Only the best from Josh. <laughs> no, but the bird, it's like an eagle with like a broken wing, but it's bandaged. And it, um, I don't know. It looks like it would have made a great tattoo in World War II. Yeah, I just got a. I got that. I just actually got that tattoo done across my whole back. <laughs> Joking. <laughs> Incredible. Well, Josh, we are excited to have you back on the podcast, and specifically talking about we're in a series right now on on the podcast of churches in COVID nineteen and how churches across America and different locations, different demographics are handling and navigating this this crisis. So can you kind of, for those who do not know about Next Level Church, can you just give a little bit of a quick bio of your all's church and then go into what are the local government regulations that you guys are navigating right now? Yeah, I had the honor, my wife and I, Jennifer, um, we had the honor of starting this church with 12 people and just a couple hundred bucks. And I was just a construction worker that loved uh, my friends, but my friends didn't want to go to a, a church as they knew it. And I'm, I'm in New England. That's where we were um, founded in New England, which is the least church region of, of our country. And, and uh, really, uh, the church is looked at as stale, outdated, irrelevant. And so back in 2008, we said, well, what if we started just meeting together and talking about Jesus? And we started doing that. And you hear these stories a lot. By no means am I pretending that Next Level is the, the story like that. You hear this a lot. God moves in this way. We got together. We started hanging out. We started talking about Jesus. And it started growing. And the next thing you know, uh, fast forward you know, 10, 12 years, we have um, 10, 10 or 11 locations and, um, and and a lot of people that worship with us. And it's been a cool ride. And we were able to do it, which I think is kind of part of our story, which makes it unique, is we were able to see something in the least church region of America that's abnormal. And that that's really what, what excites me a lot. And now we're in Florida and different places. So that's a little bit about just the church that I had the honor of, of starting and pastoring. And I never, ever thought that it would look like it does today. Um, someone this morning, actually, I was talking to a staff member and they said, boy, this must be a lot like the first year of ministry for you with this whole COVID thing. And I said, nope. And they said, <laughs> they said, they said, no, I said, no, like the first year was full of dreams and hopes and like planning and like events and missions. And it was in, 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 no, this doesn't feel that way. This, this has felt like a season of, of how do I plan? How do I dream as a type A um, what do I have to look forward to? Because I, I usually am working hard towards what's next, but now I have no idea how to plan for what's next because I have no idea what I'm going to be able to even do. And so, um, yeah, I would say um, this season has been a unique season. As far as regulations, um, we have to wear masks if we meet. Um, at our New England locations. Of course, we're in different states, so it's kind of hard to give you all of those. So I'm just going to give you a general picture because we're in different states in New England and, of course, Florida. But generally speaking, uh, we have to wear masks if we're over 100 people. Um, of course, you know, six feet. And um, we just started, um, not to jump ahead, but just a couple of weeks ago, we did our first in-person uh, meetings again at some of our locations, not all of our locations. And, and, um, and so it's pretty strict where we are. We've kind of taken the road 
to 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 honoring the government officials, our city official desires. We've kind of taken that, that, that route. God's given us influence and we don't want to give it back by being the rebel. And so, and that's not for everybody. I think you have to live in your, your conviction. And I'm not saying one's right or wrong, but we've decided to just appease the government officials, appease our city officials to make sure that we don't give away the influence that we've worked so hard to gain in this season. And so um, we're just living really by the code. Um, what they say not to do, we don't do, and we really don't push it. Right. Well, I mean, in, in doing uh, multi-site in D.C. and around that area, I know it's not, you know, it's not as far north and east as, as where you are. But I do know, I mean, I participated in the community to a much higher level than I ever had before in ministry. And it was simply to, you know, make sure I was part of the Chamber of Commerce and I was, you know, doing whatever I could to be a, a, a good member. Um, because there's so many little things from zoning to egress to almost anything that can shut you down. Even if the wrong person complains, uh, another business person complains, it can, it can completely shut you down. So I totally get that. Um, my question is, so there are some churches that are multi-site that, you know, there, there's some guys that are listening and we're going to talk to more than just multi-site today, guys, um, for those listening. But um, I'm curious, you're in several different states and some of those states are um, likely treating this differently. Um, now, you know, another church, even in the same city, maybe in different counties or municipalities and have the same struggle, even in the same, you know, geographical location, just because they're in a different jurisdiction. How have you handled, how have you handled that? You're, you're in so many different places with so many different uh, rules and regulations. Yeah, that was, that's a great question. It's something that we've been wrestling a lot with because, you know, the multi-site movement, um, we never really saw this type of thing happening, right? So we never really thought there would come a day where we'd be faced with the situation where in this town, our locations allowed to do what other locations are not allowed to do. So how do we, how do we, how do, how in the heartbeat of streamlining everything, which is really why I think multi-site is what it is. It's the ability to streamline the vision. How underneath that model, do we streamline something that now everybody has their own individual realities? And so how do you keep culture? How do you keep synergy? How do you keep things together when now they really are forced to be separate based on what's being allowed through, through government officials and regulate and different regulations. And so one of the things that, that we've had to do and, and, and we've, we've made most of our decisions have stayed in line for all locations. Uh, however, there are, uh, there has been a couple exceptions where we looked at locations that were smaller than other locations numerically. And we, we were thinking as a, uh, a church with thousands of people, when we have some locations that are three or 400 people in a rural town. And we, I went to the team and I said, guys, we can't think like a church with X amount, thousands of people. We can't think and make decisions like, cause when you look at thousands of people getting together in one room, well, that's a, a significant issue in our culture today. However, just because we're a church of thousands doesn't mean we need to punish the location of 300 and say, you can never meet again until we can meet as thousands. And so we've really had to look at it through that lens where, where some locations won't be able to meet based on their size, based on just the size of the gathering, but other locations, 
locations could meet because the reality is, is they're a lot smaller. And so that's been the one exception that we've made. Other than that, we've pretty much kept everything in the same lane. I'm trying to keep a communication clear. We don't really want to now separate and have 10 communication lines. So we're doing the best we can to keep everything in the same lane um, as far as communication goes. So it stays, stays clear and concise. I have a, I do have a, a follow-up for that. And, you know, for those listening again, this is not as much about multi-site um, as, as it is um, different ministries. So, in your church and everybody's church, I, I felt like I always had guys, you always had people who were innovative when they should be static and static when they should be innovative. And man, this has to be one of those times in history where a lot of people kind of struggle with that um, because of the pressure that they feel. How do you mitigate that uh, on your staff? Yeah, we've 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 been talking a lot about innovation, and uh, I think I think there's this pressure to be innovative in this season, where a lot of people are just trying. It's almost in, I don't know about you guys, but when it comes to, to being innovative, those thoughts don't come to me when I'm sitting around a table trying to be innovative. Those thoughts come to me just in the rhythm of life, in the rhythm of routine. And so I think a lot of people in this season are like, let's get together, let's bang our heads together and try to come up with a good idea that nobody's thought about that we can reach people in this COVID season. Uh, for me, I've, I've tried to lean away from our team getting together and smacking their heads over and over again <laughs> against one another, trying to come up with good ideas. And I've tried to just let it happen um, underneath the umbrella of just the rhythm of leadership. And so continue to have conversations. And inside of those conversations, we're going to be able to move the ball down, down, down field. We're going to come up with new ideas, but the goal right now isn't just new. The goal right now is, is effective. And so what happens a lot of times is when any type of business or any type of organization, when it faces a tension, when it faces a difficulty, when it faces a change or a forced change in, in direction, what happens is everybody in that organization starts to feel like we have to do something new. And the problem is, is new is not just necessarily best. The question is, is what can we do that will effectively move the ball down field today? And it won't be a sideways energy move. You see, because I think a lot of organizations, they're going to make moves today and put so much money and effort into doing a little bit better today or making a decision that moves the ball a hair down the field more today. Yet in maybe three, four months from now, it's going to become obsolete. And so I've tried to teach my team, let's not be innovatives in, in a sideways way. Let's make decisions and let's think outside of the box. But when we do, let's make sure it's a decision that we're going to be proud of. If in a year from now, everything's back to um, a closer look to what normal once was. Let's make sure we're not, we're not taking sideways ground with innovation for the, just the sake of being innovative. Let's make sure that we're taking forward ground. That's good. Well, we were talking about you, you guys are just now starting to get back in person at some, some campuses so walk us through some of the decisions that your guys' team has been walking through, trying not to have sideways energy. What does your Sunday service look like right now, and how has it changed week to week? Yeah, right now our our Sunday service looks pretty um, quite a bit different than it once did, um, and it takes a lot to um, to kind of wrap your mind around how when you walk into our buildings, you can't touch one another, you can't go near one another. One of the hardest things for us has been to um, to wrap our minds around why we should do church in a way that we wouldn't even want to attend. Like like, what's the push towards opening to go to church? 
in a way that it's, it's not even as good as it is online. It's, it's awkward. It's, it's strange. And so we're, we're kind of wrestling with that right now. Um, when you walk in, you can't talk to anybody. You have to six, six, you know, you have masks on, you know, I'm preaching to people and they're wearing masks. Um, they're singing with masks on. Um, and it's, it's a lot different. I mean, the reality is, is, is it's, 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 it's a tough season to be in. Um, we're only saying about 20% of our attendance show up in person. If that at some locations, a lot of people are really scared getting volunteers is pretty difficult. We're seeing about 50% of volunteers saying that they're not ready or comfortable to serve again. And so that's just the, the real reality of this season. But we kind of came to a place where we said, listen, why don't we just take a step in this direction? And we've told the church, we're not sure we're going to keep the doors physically open, but we wanted to step in this direction to see if we could start stepping towards meeting again in our physical location in a more, um, you know, regular beneficial way. And so this is, this is a step we've taken to start meeting again, but not a step we've necessarily even committed to. We may just decide next month to, to go ahead and close up physical locations again, because we just don't feel like we're gaining necessarily the traction or even more the effectiveness that online was doing at one point. And so that's just kind of what we're tossing back and forth right now. Yeah. Well, I remember last time we were, we were talking, you, you mentioned since you all do you have a broadcast location, then you have all your other campuses. So I believe you said you would record a sermon throughout the week. Is that correct? Yeah, Thursday nights. So what does that routine look like? Especially when you're online, I guess that's kind of what your all's rhythm has been. Are you guys still recording a separate online version? Kind of what does the preaching schedule look like? Yeah, we I teach on Thursday nights or whoever's teaching that week teaches on Thursday nights and that'll get played at our online location. And that'll get played, of course, you know, um, at our physical locations that are now beginning to meet in person again. And so that's the same rhythm. Um, we've definitely, we're, we're, we've shrunk the experience. And so one of the things that we, we, we started, well, one of the things that we saw within the church world is all that we were doing is we were taking our physical experiences and putting them online. And we started asking ourselves, does that really make sense? Do people, do people want to experience the same thing at home that they experience in person? Or should we ask ourselves, should we, should we create a different type of an experience? And so for me, if I'm watching at home, I feel like I need it to be shorter to keep my attention than if I were in a physical building. Right. And so, you know, we've shrunk the experience quite a bit. I went from teaching maybe 42 minutes to uh, last time I taught was 32 minutes. Um, a band, instead of doing three or four songs, does two songs. Uh, and so we've really tried to shrink that online experience. And um, so that's the only, you know, real different. I'll still teach on Thursday nights and then we'll play that online. But our physical locations will get an extra song um, in our online location it's a little bit of a scale back time wise. So how has that, I mean, I know you even before COVID you, you weren't like up every Sunday because you, you you've got other guys that you're developing and you know, they're part of that teaching team as well. But what's Sunday like for a pastor <laughs> who? I'm serious because we do have a lot of pastors that listen uh, to the podcast, obviously. And, you know, I've been thinking about that more and more when you preach on Thursday or Friday and you, you know, you, you get that done. What does Sunday feel? What does Sunday morning feel like for you? Yeah, I think, I think at first it, it felt like I was numb. Um, and now at times I can even forget we are supposed to have church that day. Um, so two weeks ago, I can remember thinking, oh my goodness, it's Sunday. We, we would usually have church now. 
Um, and so it's, it's actually quite, you know, it's been 20, it'll be 22 weeks uh, at the time of this recording um, from when we uh, were having our normal weekend experiences and um, or what we knew was normal. And so at first it was this feeling of like, oh, okay, well, this will pass and we'll get through this. And there was still excitement. There was still energy. There was still something to look forward to in a way. And um, I think I went through a season where I just became numb to it. It was almost like disbelief. And now I have to remind myself that Sunday's coming and, uh, and we have church and, and, and texting my team and, and trying to stay focused. You know, if I'm, if I'm just being honest, I think emotionally it's been very, very difficult. Um, I'm a dreamer, I'm a planner, I prepare and you take all of that out of someone's life when they've built their entire life. I mean, that's my personality, right? I'm, I'm a builder. Right. That's just my God given personality. I'm building, I'm planning. We got two buildings right now that are under construction for next level church. And, and, you know, they're in their final phases just about ready to open, but we can't open them because I'm not going to open a new location with 30% or 20% attendance on launch day. Right. Uh, it's just, you, you, you know, you're just, you're not starting it wise. And so all of these, all of this, all of what we've worked for, towards for so long and that excitement and that energy and that momentum and that planning and that preparation and that faith and that trust in God in, in a lot of ways was just, you know, taken off, taken off the plate. And so there's days where, you know, I actually deal with a little bit of guilt. If I'm being honest, I'll deal with a little bit of guilt. Like I'm not working hard enough because, because I've always made up for what I wasn't smart enough. I wasn't intelligent enough. I wasn't wise Come enough. On. I always made it up with hard work. Come on. And, and, and I've always been an underdog. Nobody ever, nobody's ever looked at me as the gifted one. I've just worked a little bit harder than those that sometimes were gifted. And now all of a sudden you took away the one thing that I found my identity in a little bit, if I'm just being real. And now it's like, oh boy, like I just sit at my desk sometimes and I'm like, all right, what should you be thinking of? How could you be leading better? How could you? And it's just like, on some level, there's just, there's just not as much to do right now. And so you've taken away that one thing that I thought made us who we were, uh, just that one X, that one, one X factor. And so it's tough. I think being a pastor on Sundays is tough, but I think being a pastor on Monday used to be tough because you had to overcome the sucky attendance on Sunday. But now being a pastor on Monday comes with just the emptiness at times of purpose. It comes with the emptiness of at times of, of feeling value in knowing what it is that you're supposed to do in order to get to where it is you hope to go. And you don't even have a roadmap of where it is you're going. You know, it's just that that unknown really creates a lot of, a lot of tension in the heart of a visionary. So when you think about, you know, obviously I think for all of us um, that serve in ministry, we can look back to at least there was not a, a specific time of calling. There was a, over the course of time calling where it's like, okay, this is clear. This is what this, this is what my purpose is. And I know all of our purpose as a whole is to make disciples who make disciples. We are just leading at the next level of equipping people to make disciples, to make disciples from, from that extent. And you, you talked about that emptiness on Monday morning. And I know that a lot of us resonate with that. How has that, how has that, um, called you back to that purpose or clarified mm. that purpose? Yeah, that's a great question. Cause it has, um, 
we went to, uh, my, my son had a, his, his uh, 13th birthday party and I got, uh, he's close with a lot of our staff. And so a bunch of our staff uh, came to a paintball uh, event we did a couple weeks ago for, That's for awesome. my, he got hit in the neck too, for the first time. So that was awesome as a dad. Happy, happy birthday. Exactly. Happy birthday, son. Welcome to manhood. You know, you're not a man. So you get a paintball in your neck. Okay. And so, and so, you know, we had them all there and, and I, I did, I said, Hey guys, you know, I, I kind of gave a little powwow, powwow at the end. First thing I said was, remember, it takes a village to raise children and uh, you guys are part of that village. So I thanked them. And then I said, um, I said, I want you guys to also know that, that you're living in a space and time where we never been, where, where, where so many of us as leaders, we didn't live in, you know, we went from finding our identity in the numbers, finding our identity in the success to now feeling purposeless in the emptiness of anything we were falsely finding our identity in. So we jumped from one idol to the emptiness that another idol, that that idol wasn't giving us, right? So it's, I find my identity in numbers and success in, in the rock show of Christianity that it, that it so, uh, so often becomes. And then that is stripped away. So now we find our lack of purpose in what was once the idol we trusted. And I tried to bring them back to, to just the root of exactly what you're saying. Like you love Jesus. And if there's ever been a moment you had nothing to attach your identity to in ministry other than the call and the love you have for Jesus, it's right now. It's right now. There is no number that you're looking at. There's no success that we're looking at. Outreach isn't posting any articles about us right now. There is nothing right now. But the reason you're loving people at your location in your city right now is because I want you guys to know it's because you're called. So I know that calling can become manipulative at time when Satan gets in there with the numbers and the pressures and the, the rock starism. I know that you can at times even question if you're called because it becomes so perverted. But I said, those of you who are still doing it, guess what? Let me reaffirm your calling because you started with that pure heart. Now stay in it. Mm. I feel like there might be somebody who just needs to rewind that and listen to that again. Cause Josh, I know so many people are going through just what you described and thank you for your vulnerability in that. I mean, it is tough. I mean, just as you said, the Monday morning feeling now is it's kind of extended throughout the whole week, trying to, you, you don't get to see your, your full congregation. You're, you're preaching. I know a lot of pastors are preaching to an empty room, to a camera and just a, a much needed time to be reminded of our mission. So Really do appreciate you unpacking that for us. Um, so f- you you talked about Sunday mornings and you talked about how you guys are transitioning back to in-person gatherings slowly. What what are you guys doing in the other specific ministries, such as kids ministry, student ministry, and maybe even your groups? Yeah, I think I think the steps we've taken in those, I think the steps we've taken in every area, guys. I think I, I think this is a beautiful time. And I don't say this like just pie in the sky. I think this is a beautiful time for the church because I think the ground that we're taking right now is ground that we don't have to give up when we move into the next season where it may be a little bit more in person, right? So we're gaining ground at reaching culture. Matter of fact, early on, I, and when this COVID first hit, I, I told our staff, I said, just so you guys know, we were doing all online. I said, just so you guys know, I think the church today looks more like the church my kids will someday attend than it did before COVID. Mm-hmm. 
And, and so I, I think right now we are gaining ground. There's a lot of churches that are in rural areas. I see them doing like, you know, Facebook live when they weren't doing that and church online. And I, man, my heart just screams. So I'm so, I mean, I get so excited about that. I, I, I get so pumped up to see people who weren't doing anything online or with technology in this season, growing in that opportunity. And then the next seasons, they're hopefully not going to give that ground away. I say that to say, We've taken ground when it comes to kids. I mean, we've created a platform where uh, families are, are are being resourced to disciple their own kids. Our kids team is putting together parenting tips every week and sending out videos on how to uh, disciple kids who are at home being homeschooled or parents. How do you homeschool best? Um, how do you teach kids how to overcome fear? So we're really looking at this as an opportunity to get in the home and our, 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 our family ministries team is doing an incredible job at it. And so everything's streamlined online. Of course, you can, they have worship there. They have the teaching there. They have a separate portal that we use for the kids. Um, they're still getting all of their, you know, um, literature online. And of course, we're still sending things out to the families and birthday cards and just resourcing the families. The same thing with students. I mean, our students are all getting together on Zoom calls and uh, doing life together. And so um, we had already moved to students doing Zoom calls prior to COVID because we had thought that, huh. yeah, we had thought that we had thought that um, youth group the way we knew it would be dead within the next five years or not dead, but dying within the next five years. And we thought if we could tap into the Facebook idea where we're just doing it you know, virtually, I, uh, I think we could probably be more effective in the future. So our students had already gone to a meeting through Zoom once a week in groups and then a once a month large gathering and then back to Zoom groups. And so we had already been moving that way. This kind of obviously expedited it. And, um, mm. and so, yeah, those are some of the things that we're doing. I don't think we, once again, there's nothing that we're doing that sideways. So everything we're doing in kids, we're going to keep doing, even if our buildings were hundred percent at capacity a year from now, nothing we've, nothing we're doing today in any of our ministries are things we're going to stop doing. We're just going to continue to get better at them. You know, Josh, somebody might be listening to that of how you guys are doing your, your kids ministry. You guys are producing some content. Um, where on your site, if somebody heard that was like, oh man, I'd love to check that out. Where can they go to find some of that content? Um, I think if you go to the, uh, the, the next level dot church slash kids, I believe okay. um, my team would know better about all of that. I, I don't even, I don't even know how to get to our website, but I think, if, <laughs> but if you go to our website and navigate, and here's the other thing, if, uh, if anybody uh, wants to just email in, say info at next level dot church, and uh, we'll make sure our kids team gets everything that anybody wants to them. And, and they're doing a good job of sending out a newsletter with parenting tips for that week based on how COVID affecting things. They're talking about what they learned in the past week, what they're moving to in the weeks to come. And, and really, it really, and, and also we're trying to teach parents how to disciple kids. I think there's two beauty, beautiful things in this season, right? Parents now have to disciple their kids. That's the, that's the beautiful thing. Now, the difficult thing is, is man, we've been living in a culture where the church has been doing what the parents should have been doing. And so now the church is having to actually back up and say, maybe we've been doing it wrong. Maybe we've been trying to put together an awesome weekend experience in trying to lead these kids to Christ one day a week without discipling the parents on how to actually parent their kids closer to Christ five days or seven days a week. And so um, we're kind of seeing this as an opportunity to correct maybe the damage or maybe the, the dysfunction we stepped in as a church where it became like, let's really pour into these kids once a week because the church is the saving grace. And now, wait a minute, 
maybe, maybe actually, maybe we should have just been resourcing parents to do what the church was doing. Cause the parents, if they caught on, they could do it seven days when we only did it for an hour. So, so and let's close in prayer. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Take up an offering, please. Oh, no, it's true. Um, so I do think, I do think that there are, you know, there's plenty of people out there uh, not quoting Churchill and saying, you know, talking about the oppor- every crisis is an opportunity and all that kind of stuff. Hey, th- great. You were saying that early on and hope you did something with it. Um, but for churches like yourself, what I'm what I'm loving as I hear this is just the unique opportunities that you are truly finding as this goes on to uncover what was, it was, it was hidden. It was a problem that you just, you didn't see you're blinded by the inertia of success of your ministry and pulling that back has, uh, you know, caused you to take a step back and, and realign and refocus. And it is such a beautiful thing. And I hope churches are doing that. I hope they're not just waiting until this is over and then trying to, to either get back to what was normal or find a new semblance of normal. I hope that they're doing the same thing too. So man, that's just really yeah, and, really encouraging. Yeah. And I'd like to just add that, that those are all the things we're doing, but by no means are we succeed or, or a big success in any of them. Right. So, so I think our student zoom calls need to get a lot better, right? We're talking about that. There's, we're not attaching the students we once had in person aren't attaching as quickly. So, how, so I don't want to make it like, man, we just figured it out and we've streamlined everything and everything's humming. Uh, we're working really hard to figure out how we can in this season continue to take ground and then get better. We have to somehow, we have to figure out a way to connect people. Somehow we have to figure out a way to connect people, number one, and then to add value to their lives, number two. If you can connect them and add value, you can keep them, even in seasons like this. And so um, I don't want to paint a picture. I'm always very cautious of painting a picture like, oh, we have kids happening, we have Zoom happening, we have this happening, and our groups are just all online. And, you know, things are just, I want to be very cautious because I hear people say that and I start thinking, man, I don't, I mean, woo they probably look really good. No, it's, it's a struggle, but, but I think we're taking ground and we're learning how to take this into the seasons to come as well. Not just kind of recovering from this injury in this season. I know, but what I think Satan does to the individual and to the church, the, the, the collection of the body is, is once, once you're in the kingdom, all he can do is neutralize you. All he can do is neutralize you, who you are, who God made you to be, and the impact he he wanted you to have in your community. That's for the individual, and that's also for the church. Hmm. And so I just, it's much easier to steer a ship that's moving. And you guys are definitely moving. So when it does come to whatever new day, you're going to get there sooner. Uh, and you're going to be in much better shape because you stayed moving and because you refused to to be neutralized during the season. So I just want to encourage, you know, pastors and leaders that are listening, don't be neutralized. <laughs> don't just throw up your hands and say it is what it is. No, it is what you allow it to be. And yeah, God gave you a purpose and a stewardship. Amen. And one of the things to think through is, is if you were starting a church today, 
and this is simply reality in the country you lived in. How would you start a church and reach people for Jesus? That's one of the things that I've been thinking through. I've been taught what the local church looks like through be, through being raised in the church and being in a, in a Western culture of church dynamics, right? Right. But one of the things that I keep asking myself is if Josh, if if you were just called, gave your life to Christ today, and this is the country you live in, you can't have large group meetings, you have to wear masks, you have technology but you're starting a church and you love people and people still need Jesus. People still need Jesus. The need for Jesus did not decrease because COVID increased. And so I keep asking myself, if this is it forever and you've been handed the responsibility of this church, stewarding what God gave you or starting a new one, would you just say no now and walk away and do something different because it's not what you thought it would look like? Or would you figure out a way to start a church, to start a movement, to lead people to Jesus? And so I think, I think we have to get to that point. I couldn't agree more Todd. We have to get to that point where we say, maybe this never changes. You see, far too many people are waiting for the change to come. So they sit stagnant in the days that are here. But what if, and I'm not trying to be negative, okay? I'm not even saying I, I believe this, but what if this is more what five years looks like from now? than what five years ago looked like. If that's the case, we better figure out how to be the church today. And we better figure out how to reach those people we claimed we loved when we could do big group gatherings, right? We got to figure it out. And so I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. Well, with that, I mean, we could just end the podcast there, but we'll ask one more question <laughs> and uh, we'll, we'll combine two of them here. What are the biggest challenges you all are facing right now? And what are you doing to overcome these challenges? Yeah. The first thing that come to mind is, is uh, I think everybody would say the first thing that comes to mind is staffing. Um, I don't know what we're doing to overcome them. Let me think about that. And as I'm talking about what the problems are, <laughs> um, <laughs> staffing is a problem. I've got so many people that are on it on, and they're such good oh, man. I love them. They're just, that's half the problem. I love them so much. They're just such wonderful people and yet they don't really have a job right now. And there's just nothing, not a lot for them to do, right? The reality is, is they're willing to do whatever. And we're repurposing people and we're pointing people in new, in, in, in new positions and new, you know, we're, we're not shifting roles, but we're shifting, shifting our strategy, which is changing what people are doing daily. Like we're doing all of that. But the truth is, is what once took X amount of people a day isn't taking that right now. And technology is doing a lot of the work that we once were doing. And so I think one of the struggles is, is do you, how long do you pay dozens of people to a full-time salary to do uh, part-time at best work and, and by nobody's fault, by nobody's fault. And I know that the leaders that are listening hear my heart in this, cause I, I, I trust me, I talk to leaders all over and this is a big, big problem. It's like we, it, it's just a tough, it's a tough rea realization. And then I say the second thing would just be finances. I, I think, you know, of course we've, our giving has, has dipped. We're not in, uh, in a, we're not in an emergency situation. Uh, we've been able to, um, up to now we haven't touched our savings. Um, but it's decreasing. And I would say monthly, we're seeing a tiny tick down each month. And so I'm starting to have to look at that and say, okay, wait a minute, where's this heading? And, and, um, when the novelty of the newness of church online wore off, it was like anything new, improved, improving creates momentum. When the new of technology wore off, we started to see a little bit of dip in giving and connectivity. And so I would say giving staffing and just that overall focus and purpose are some of the difficulties, um, uh, how are we handling those was the follow-up one, huh? <laughs> yeah. Um, 
with giving, I'll talk to that. I'll talk to that with giving. I'm doing the offering talk each week this month. And I'm just talking about, I'm talking, I'm talking real. You know, if anything, if there's ever been a time where the church just needs to own up to being authentic, be what we say we are, right? Authentic. I think this is the time, you know, information is power. And even when there's uncertainty, clear communication in the face of uncertainty still brings resolve, right? And so getting up and being able to say, and which is what I'm doing this week, and we're not, it's not a crisis right now, but I'm going to simply say, listen, the reality is, is giving has decreased and, and we're asking you if you've never given and haven't lost your job, you know, if you haven't, if you could step up in this season, like this is the time for you to step up. And those of you who have been given, I'm doing the whole talk and just encouraging and, and letting them know they need to take care of their families. And I'm not this pastor trying to dry the well, but I do believe that God is the giver of all good things and he will bless us. And, you know, just being honest, we're sending out um, uh, our our giving report a little bit more regularly. We're sending that out. I think every three months now, the the giving report of, and so people can kind of have that and see that and put their hands to it and see where their faithfulness has been. Because the reality is when you're not in church on the weekends, if I at times forget there's church, well, then a lot of people are going to fade away in the disciplines and, and that that church, unfortunately, that church often held them to. And so we're going to put that out in front of them more often. Here's where you're at this year and has your giving dipped and are you being faithful? Um, and um, as far as staffing, we're, we're not, I'm not ready to give an answer on that yet. We uh, we're still talking about it. Um, do you lay people off that you love that have done nothing wrong? Um, if it's healthiest, probably. Uh, but how do you sleep at night with that? I don't know. That's a tough one. So we're still we're still working through that, and and uh, these are real 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 problems. These aren't fake ones that we're making up. So I don't have all the answers, but I know they come with a lot of feelings, especially when you love people and the people that are going to pay the consequences didn't do anything to deserve them. Mm-hmm. I I appreciate that answer so much because I know. It's almost like the unspoken <laughs> challenge that we haven't heard brought up often, but it's one that many are wrestling with. So, and I, I know you're wrestling with it as well. And it's just, as you said, it's something that's going to keep you up at night trying to ponder what to do, but just appreciate your transparency there. Yeah, I'll say anything. I have nothing to lose anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Josh, just so much appreciate you, your authenticity. Uh, is that a word even? Uh, it, is, it, is, it is now. It is now. Um, <laughs> authenticity. I shortened it. Um, anyway, man, it's just been great uh, having you on several months back and then just having you on again. Um, it's it's fun, um, but at the same time, really challenging and enlightening and and just appreciate you sharing your story with us and your your time with us today. I just looked at my clock. We've been talking for a while. That was fun. It is. Thanks, thanks for all you do, guys. Appreciate you. Absolutely. Thanks, Josh.